And we're back, episode six, Clinch Perfect. Tom, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm great, thanks, mate. Enjoyed my day off. What about you? Enjoyed my two weeks off, thank you very much. <sighs> Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in. Tell you what, though, coming back to work today after two weeks off felt very bad. I was very depressed last night going to bed. I stayed up to like 4 a.m. watching shows I'm not even that interested in just to delay the inevitable of actually having to get up and do work. So I'm exhausted now. What have you been watching? I've been watching Fear the Walking Dead. Oh my, and, um, I've lost all respect for you. <laughs> well, one of my, someone, someone I know told me the first three seasons are amazing. And then after season three, just stop and just like consider season three, like make up your own ending. So that's, I'm just going to do that. Cause um, yeah, my mate told me that season four onwards is literally like the worst downfall of a show ever. It just goes completely to crap. So yeah. Um, well, we've got plenty of fights to talk about. So I uh, don't have to talk about that, ter- that a show going terribly downhill. Um we can talk about careers pretty, instead. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty crazy card. And um, yeah, a couple of careers going downhill. Sorry, uh, Malenik. I think there's kind of a tendency when we get a Curtis Blades main event to be like, yeah, this this could be a stinker of a card. Just <laughs> like, especially after the, the somewhat of a snooze fest you put on against Volkov. But um, I mean, it was a card of, you know, records being broken and crazy, unique shit happening. Starting off with uh, Rafael Alves breaking the record for missing weight by the most weight ever. Um, I think the record before that was um, let's see, in the back of my head. Rumble Johnson versus Belfort, UFC. I'm going to take a stab at 141, 142, something like that. Um, I looked at it earlier, so that's not completely just off the top of my head. Um, I think it was 142. Yeah, Javier Alves said that he ate some salmon a couple of days before the fight and it made him sick. And the doctor told him to drink lots of water and that water made him miss weight by 11 and a half pounds. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we uh, we may not see him in the UFC anytime soon. Yeah, well, we're talking off call, and he said that he wants to fight at lightweight or something. Yeah, apparently. But he I, missed, I he he missed the lightweight Shelby limit. He wants like, to fight at lightweight, yeah. I, I don't see him even getting another shot. Like, Maybe welterweight. <laughs> Maybe welterweight. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the smallest welterweight ever. Um, yeah, the salmon I mean, excuse is such rubbish, though. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, if it was like a few pounds, I could see it because the like the water weight on that last day is a big thing for fighters to shed that. But I mean, he gained eleven pounds of water weight. Is that what we're supposed to believe? Um, and then take away the dominoes, mate. It's fine. Yeah, and then we had another fight get cancelled on the night in the octagon, which was even more bizarre. Um, Chaz Skelly is in the octagon waiting for um, Jamal Emmers to walk out, and someone leans into him, and you can see them talking like, "What the fuck's going on?" And uh, we hear from the commentary booth that Jamal Emmons has had back spasms um, backstage and cannot compete. Um, Gutting for Chaz Skelly, obviously. I mean, gutting for Emmons as well. But to actually make, you know, the adrenaline of making the walk and being in the octagon. And then, I mean, what what does he even do? He must he must have had like gone to have a wank or something to get. To no, get did rid- you not see his po- did you not see his, <laughs> did you not see his press conference? Oh, the singing, the karaoke. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say we like, got to talk about the say, karaoke. What, what do you even do to release that adrenaline once you get in there and you just have to dump all that adrenaline? Like, I guess the karaoke maybe could have covered it. Yeah, some tenacious D. Go on, why not? Knock yourself out. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a weird card to start off with before you know before we even get into any of the actual fights, um, and then we had. Chris Tonioni being Chris Tonioni right off the bat. Um, Sergey Spivak absolutely pummeled the shit out of Jared Vandera, um, contender series alum. Uh, yeah, that was a complete mismatch. Uh, I think Vandera actually called out Spivak after his last fight and clearly didn't anticipate that he would be completely outmatched on the mat. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it was a typical spirit performance, really, wasn't it? Like, you knew it was going to be ground heavy. Um, but, it, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't really understand why Tony still gets a chance. I, I was really, like, if you think about the, the fights that he's overseen recently, I can't recall the last time where he hasn't had a stinker. Like, it, it, it does kind of baffle me. He has more terrible, terrible fights than ones where you don't notice him. Like, he, yeah. there's never a time where, where you don't notice Chris Tonioni. You're always going, oh, shut up, will you? Because he's getting, like, he's too involved. And then his stoppages are either too early or too late. Um, he's all over the place. Yeah, he's, he's definitely past his peak. And it's not a good look, really, for the UFC when I think Dana referenced it in his conference, actually. We were talking about how it should have been stopped earlier. And I, I do agree. I think Spivak was just too dominant. Well, I think you look at um, level above. I just brought up Spivak's record right now. His only losses are to Walt Harris and Tybura, and Tybura's on an absolute rampage, and Harris can knock out anyone on his day. So, um, you know, I feel like maybe a little bit underrated. He's beat Tuivasa, he's beat Carlos Felipe, and now Vandera, who, you know, was kind of looking like a bright prospect coming off contender series. So, uh, yeah, definitely a bit of a mismatch there. Yeah, I, I saw on Twitter someone comparing him to Fido, uh, Fedor, and I was just like, mm. maybe, <laughs> not maybe, sure maybe, about maybe, that one. Yeah, yeah. Put the brakes on a little bit. I think you'll get absolutely smoked. Like smoked if fights an Aspinall or a Dalkus, but we'll talk yeah. about that later. But um, yeah, Chris Tonioni wanted to see what the inside of Jared Vanderas' skull looked like, <laughs> so um, that that was kind of interesting. Then we had um, Ariel Hawani's lookalike, Eamon Zahabi, um, fighting another contender series alum in uh, is it Draco Rodriguez? Um, Draco. Yeah, we'll go with we'll that. Go with, we'll go with Draco. It sounds like I'm talking about Harry Potter, but. Um, first round KO timed a little um, a little jab in perfectly when Draco just walked straight into it. Um, I presume wanted to uh, make it a grappling match, clinch match because um, his, his grappling has looked pretty good in his previous fights. But um, yeah, he just got timed perfectly when he was coming in. Yeah, it was catch it was catch rate as well, wasn't it? Because I think Rodriguez missed weight. Um, it's good to see Zahabi get back on the win col- get back in the win column. Obviously, he's lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. I think the fact his brother is obviously such a or where I was to coach kind of would dampen the fears that he's going to get dropped, but it would have done him, him the world of good. And he's got like, I mean, off the back of the, <laughs> the inevitable uh, Ariel comparisons, uh, got a, a bit of pop on social media. Like, I think it went viral. That's all sports. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't really see it, but I thought we'd just rock you along know, with it. Right, since, I, I, ev- I, since everyone else is doing it, I thought we'd go along with it. You know, that Ed Sheeran lookalike, that's what it reminds me of. You know, the one who's like, Who's bad but good in the same way? The one I got like snuck into that Logan Paul KSI fight. Honestly, no, but I, I'm thinking okay. maybe the, the Jamie Vardy lookalike. That was a, a similar yeah, thing. That's a better, like, yeah, that's oh, a better. Yeah, he looks yeah, exactly yeah. like him. I was like, no, it doesn't. It just looks like some random. Yeah, um, it looks like it looks like uh, Ariel. If Ariel had actually been in the cage, <laughs> it's probably the best accurate <laughs> way of describing it. But no, I was a little bit rude there, a little bit rude, but um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Um, one of the most impressive performances came up after that. Casey O'Neill um, making a debut in the Octagon. Um, I think she was born in Scotland, trained in Australia, if that's correct. Uh, yeah. Absolutely dominated Shana Dobson, who just got that uh, big upset win against Agapova in her last fight. So definitely one to watch there. Yeah, definitely. I've watched her um, last fight at UAE Warriors um, in September. And she got a Takeo victory there. Again, that, her ground game is ridiculous. She's on a six-fight unbeaten streak. Clearly not here to mess around, and because Strawweight is such a stacked division as well, I kind of uh, and uh, like she's beating Shayna Dobson, who not not she's not necessarily a gatekeeper or a name, but like she's she's the one who 
like test. She's like a litmus test, right? Like they th- the USC throw prospects at her, and if, if if they beat them, they kind of push them. Well, yeah, Agapova didn't didn't pass the test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, like I kind of hope they don't. I hope they don't rush Casey O'Neill because she's only six fights into her career. I said the same thing after after her fight. Actually, everyone was going crazy on Twitter, and I was like, let's ease yeah. up a little. Like, if they, wrong, if she's, they she's throw the skills, talent. Rules, she, yeah, she's so young though, and. You know, Bisping was pointing out on the commentary quite a lot, you know, that sort of some holes in her grappling that could have been exposed by someone who is not Dobson, who's just not very good on the mat, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think as well, like, she hasn't really been tested on the feet. Like, it sounds a bit weird, but just looking at her record, three decision wins, one submission, two knockouts. Uh, I, I she's showing a good like, chin. I mean, I know they yeah. weren't on the feet for long, but they, they were swinging haymakers at each other for a couple of minutes. And yeah, she, but did, like, she did I, get caught with a couple. I mean, more technical boxing in the stand up. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, standing and banging is one thing, but like when you're you're trading, especially in Stroy as well, when you think about the strikers, like the I roses. Flyweight. And... It's flyweight. Oh, yeah, cool. Sorry. My bad. Yes, flyweight. Well, even so, if you think about. Um, uh, like the Shevchenkos and the like, they're all predominantly striker based. And I don't, and I imagine her against a Chukagian. I'm not saying that they would do that immediately, but she needs like, a, a, not necessarily like warm up fights because Jane Dobson's no warm up fight, but she needs yeah. to go on a gradual path forward because otherwise they're going to be thrown in at the deep end. She'll get on, she'll come unstuck and the UFC will lose a prospect in a division that's quite shallow. Like, I, I'd want to see her climb gradually. Because again, six fights into her career, but she's got an amazing coach. Like she trains um, extreme couture with Eric Nixick and Garnu. You name it, like some really top talents. So I think the future's really bright for her. And I was really impressed with her performance because Shane Dobson's no joke. I agree. Yeah, um, and then we had the the first sort of bit of controversy, other than the uh, Vandera stoppage we mentioned with. Um... Nate Landwehr, I don't know if I'm saying his, his name right. Who yeah, Landwehr, I'm not gonna yeah. lie, I kind of wanted him to lose after his um his antics and his was it his last fight? Or maybe the fight before he was just screaming his head off the whole time, like yeah. um you know, it was yelling a bit crazy. at Dana and yeah, it was. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, great. But I found it a little bit cringy, not gonna lie. And um, I kind of enjoyed seeing him get knocked out. I guess well, didn't get knocked out. We got TKO, <laughs> but um, crazy fight for as long as it lasted. They just were like, okay, let's just. <laughs> Swing at each other until someone dies. When is a Nate Langway fight F normal though? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. No, I thought it was a great fight. For me, it was actually fight of the night just because it was so entertaining. Um, if it had lasted a little bit longer, it would have been for sure fight of the night. Yeah. yeah. But I think I don't know, like I don't really know what Langway's game plan was. Like he, he's been starched a couple of times. To stand and bank with someone like Rosa, it's maybe not the best strategy. Yeah, Rosa has a crazy finishing rate as well. Yeah, and but I was really impressed with Rosa because like Rosa, his previous stint in the UFC didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, went the regional scene, regional circuit, put together a run of wins, and he looked phenomenal. Like I was really impressed with the fact that he came, he like he copped a bit of fire, and then started throwing and throwing and throwing, and then that flying knee. I I, I was I was I didn't I saw some people like complaining, oh early stoppage. I'm like, do you want to see like carnage or? I, I think like five. No, that's what I was going to ask you about because I actually saw quite a lot of fuss about that stoppage and I, I didn't really get it to be honest. I mean, no. he, he wasn't out cold, but he was on his ass with his arms by his side for a, for a second. And he went limp ref, as well. You see that? Yeah, you have to stop that. His arm was stiff down by his side. Like he just got flying knee in the face. That's going to do some damage. And, well, um, when you saw his reaction as well initially, he like he tried to grab the leg of 
the ref. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, it's like it, it's not necessarily. Yeah, the Kevin, the Kevin even, even waking when he up stood from up, Oliveira's guillotine, grabbing, yeah. grabbing the ref's leg, and just holding on for dear life. Um, and even when he wasn't quite up, that bad, but even when he stood up initially, it didn't really look like he had his boots around. That's completely fine with it. Like, no, I, I, yeah, I didn't. I agree. I didn't get the complaints. I think the complaints were a lot of people had him on their bets, basically. <laughs> Which I don't understand either when you consider the fact he has no game plan. <laughs> no, I I had fight doesn't go the distance, and that was the greatest win ever. <laughs> Just no stress over straight away. We'll take that. We'll take that every day. Um, yeah, but like I said, Arosa on you know putting together a little bit of a a little bit of a run now, which is good to see. Um, kind of had really underrated as well. An up and down run to this point. Um, so yeah, I mean finishing fights impressively as well is sure you know surefire way to get your name skyrocketing up the ranks. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, cashing checks, breaking faces, snapping necks, you name it. I, I, I was just really impressed because uh, all week there had been a bit of chirping back and forth like, at the play-ins and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of had a sneak. A lot of people on social media were like, oh, now we're just going to start. And I was like, given his performance last time out. But you, you got to look at the body of work that Rose has put in. Like, he's had 30 plus fights. I think a lot, a lot of the people that thought Nate was going to just starch him was because they'd seen all the blood on Darren Elkins' face. But yeah. if Darren Elkins, I don't know if he has kids, but if he has kids, if one of his kids hit him with like a Lego block in the face, he would have that much blood down his face. He has so much <laughs> scar tissue. Like that, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the, from the win, but you know, it's not like, oh my God, he beat the hell out of Darren Elkins. That's just what happens in every Darren Elkins fight. Um, the fight beforehand, he got chinned. So yeah. And that's not a criticism of his chin, but he is a bit reckless. And I'm not necessarily sure that's the... Re- the especially in that weight division as well. I don't really think it's, it stands you in good stead if you're, you're not very technical. <laughs> you don't have a great game plan. But. Then we got anyway. John Castaneda, uh, Castaneda. Castaneda? I don't know. Sorry. We'll call him Sexy Mexi because one of the best nicknames, probably the best nickname on the card, one of the top nicknames in, in the division and in the UFC. We'll go with Sexy Mexi instead of me butchering his name. Um, beat Eddie Wineland by, uh, well, I think they called it a TKO, but, um, you know, Eddie Wineland's chin is, let's call it a KO. <laughs> like, his chin's done. Like, is, is it time to hang him up? I think so. If you think about his WEC days, pale comparison he's a pale shadow of, of what he once was and it's really it's really sad to see I don't really understand why he keeps taking like, I mean, other than money obviously I just don't really understand why he keeps taking these fights like being fed to prospects is probably not I don't think it's a poor reflection of Eddie Wineland's career if you look back at what he did um, as I say WEC's champion that's not an easy thing to do but yeah really really impressed with John Castaneda like he kind of he copped a, I, I say he copped a fair bit of criticism for his, his fight with Nathaniel Wood uh, I thought Nathaniel Wood kind of picked him apart and, and looked a level above. No British bias aside, <laughs> I promise. Um, but he Can I throw the British to... bias in there and say Nathaniel Wood got robbed in his last fight? Yeah, I mean, that too as well. That too, <laughs> yeah, against against he who should not be named. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think, it's a really, again, a really exciting division. Like you got Castanales, you got Nathaniel Wood's knocking about, you got Jack Shaw's, like all these, all, all these fighters coming up. The Tupuria's like, not the same division, but you know what I mean. Like all these, all these young fighters who have fought on the European scene or fought on the regional scene who are, who are breaking through to the UFC ranks. And I don't know. It's, it, it, the wine that I've seen Wine get knocked out by O'Malley, I've kind of like seen enough of him then, which sounds really harsh. And I don't mean to sound so harsh, but 
I don't want to keep seeing these veterans get starched by prospects. Kind of, I mean, I say that I'm going to gush all over the fact that <laughs> Aspinall choked out um, Arlovski, but that's completely different. Yeah, yeah, that's completely different. <laughs> Didn't knock him out. Didn't knock him out. Didn't do any lasting damage to him. Yeah, exactly. That Ol- that Olovsky chin has been um, been Tested. cured by his beard. That's that's the only the only possible explanation for his last few fights before the Aspinall fight. Um, sort of a featured prelim, kind of got to talk about that, even though it was a massive disappointment for all the heat of the weigh-ins. Um, Jared Gordon missed weight, and him and Danny Chalmers were absolutely going at it at the weigh-ins. And I was expecting them just to come out and throw bombs at each other and try and kill each other. Um, but you know, credit to Gordon, it was. It was levels. That's what it was. Like, you know, he showed, yeah, Chavez is a good prospect, but he's, you know, Gordon's been in there, done it with, with much better, much better competition. And it was just a clear gap in experience and, you know, out, outstruck him where he needed to strike and grappled where he needed to grapple. Pretty much perfect performance. If, if it, yeah, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't particularly entertaining, but it was pretty much perfect performance. I mean, it was a snooze fest, but yeah, I worked him, as you said. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't really see anything that, that convinced me that Gordon's good enough to take it to the next level quite yet like he's clearly still a work in progress but yeah levels man Chavez for, for all the talk at the weigh-ins about Gordon missing weight didn't really have an answer for anything and that, that was a bit disappointing like, I think that's the problem as well when there's like so much heat at the weigh-ins and then the, oh, I mean I must admit I was falling asleep <laughs> it, that, wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't great yeah I, I, I was impressed by Gordon I, had, I have to admit but um, you know, in terms of entertainment, and uh, just as a pure degenerate fan wanting to see violence, minus C, a little bit disappointing. <laughs> we'll give us, we'll give us C plus. Um, main card, the you know the the finishes continue. I think was it? Yeah, Gordon and Chavez was the only fight that went to the scorecards on the prelims, and that continued somewhat in the at the start of the uh, the main card with uh, your man Tom Aspinall, future heavyweight champion. I'm j- I'm not going to go that far yet. Yet, and there's a big yet, but <laughs> I was really impressed. It, even, I was, even I was really, the reason I was really impressed was because if you look at Arlovsky's last fights, he's fought Tanner Boza, who everyone on the Canadian shores and the American shores billing as like this heavyweight prospect, even though Cyril Garn literally taught him a lesson in fighting. Um, and I was, just re- I was really, really impressed with how everything that Arlovsky threw at Arsenal, Arsenal kind of had an answer for. Like, Arsenal clipped him opening round. Um, 35 punches like what I think there's like 30 seconds or something with the elbow um, which just goes to show is striking like for those of you who don't know he's trained with Tyson Fury he's trained with Huey Fury like before he was an MMA fighter he was predominantly a boxer and what impressed me the most was that he kind of I don't know if you had it on the um, Believe You Me podcast but he was talking about his, his grappling and obviously his dad is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, black belt. Um, he has his own class at uh, team Cowboy, and so I think he's actually one of the first black belts in the UK. Um, and all, all, all the the build up to this fight was talking about like Olaski's chin and the fact he's been chinned by the likes of um Engano and Rosa Um, but I had a sneaky suspicion that, was a, that a submission was on the cards just because UK fighters and submissions don't really go together. Like, this kind of can I be really smug and, and chime in on this? Um, 16 to 1 he was to get a submission I don't know what that if we got any American listeners it's like what plus 1700 in, in American odds or something like that um, every single fight he's had in the UFC I've got on 
Tom Aspinall submission win because I knew eventually it's coming. The odds have been huge because they don't think of him as a submission guy. I knew eventually it was coming. And um, like you said, he was on Believe in Me and they were talking about, you know, his dad and, and um, this one said, you know, well, how is that side of things? How is the grappling? Because everyone talks about striking. And he said, what's grappling? And then he changed the subject real quick. And um, I, I just had a feeling straight away there. I, that, that made me even more confident about doing this every time he fights, getting on him to win by submission. That made me even more confident because um, it did seem like he was trying to just like, okay, move along. Don't reveal my game plan. Or, you know, get back to asking me stupid questions about Darren Till. Do you know what really impressed me though? It was less the submission and more the double leg takedown. Like that, that was so slick. It was um, a rugby tackle, let's be honest. Well, yeah, but it, to, to drive him back to the fence in such a way and then to time it in, in, in such a way that Arsky thinks he's going to strike and then to snap that arm under his chin and choke him out. Like, yeah, if you blinked, you missed it. Like, it was really, really impressive. And I think he's sort of, again, a bit like what I was saying with Casey O'Neill. I want to put the brakes on a little bit. I've seen some people like being like, oh, like we need to give them like a step up, like a Dos Santos, or well, maybe a Dos Santos might be quite a good idea. I should think about it. But, but <laughs> like, but like they've been saying, oh, let's, let's, let's throw him up there like a Volkov and all that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's apply the brakes. Like, he's well, still I was going to ask you about that actually because um, Blagoy Ivanov has dropped out of his fight with um, Martin Tybora coming up. So, you know, could maybe step in there. That's a bit, pretty big step up to Tybor, and he would certainly test his uh, test his wrestling. I mean, if he's fit, I can't. I, I think that's a good matchup. Prospect versus well, not really prospect, but same sort of same level at the moment in terms of their career. Yeah, um, and Martin's on a beastly run at the minute as well. Yeah, and, and, and just think... and just destroyed Greg Hardy. So you know, gets <laughs> gets a gold star from all of us here at Clinton. I mean, that's a, that's a fight. I'd love to see Tom Aspinall versus, versus Greg Hardy. That's a fight I'd love to see. Um, I mean, it, it would be too easy for him to be honest yeah. but I think I think it's kind of like it's very rare that we have a, a very good heavyweight like or a British heavyweight the last I can remember is when Bisping fought a heavyweight and that was like half many years ago um, like in the early days of his career during like Cage Warriors stint and then initial stint like initial run in UFC but I think like I, I was just I was pleasantly surprised at how the American media seems to latch on to Aspinall. Like he's been on, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I think he's been on like Submission Radio and like a bunch of the, a bunch of these platforms. And it's I think it's the Till effect. The Till effect's kind of rubbing off. Like these, these guys from Cowboy have these personalities, and I think the way that, that fans engage with these fighters is they latch onto these personalities. And I thought like his post fight interview where he's like, like Yo, Bisping, let's get a beer, like, crack open a can or whatever. It just kind of. That's the Tom Aspinall that I know. Like, he's a little bit, he's a little bit more toned down than Till. It's like a PG yeah, thirteen Till. So he's kind he's of like more... the best of both worlds. He's kind of more marketable in, <laughs> in a way you could say because he's not quite as. He's like, the, he's like the, the right word. He's but... like the PC Till. That's probably the best way of describing it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but probably, like, again... probably not if you go on a night out with him. But um, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of what he presents to the camera, um, yeah, definitely. But I was just really impressed. Like striking, grappling, you name it. And he, don't go wrong, he got tested by Olowski. Like Olowski was trading. Oscar landed a few shots. Yeah, I mean, I was happy to see it see it go past five minutes. To be honest, just to get him that experience, you know. Because yeah, well, I like mean, say, must we, are, we are excited to have a British heavyweight prospect, and you know, yeah, it would have been amazing if he'd gone in there and sparked him in twenty seconds. But at the same time, you're like, well, he's not really been tested then. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I, it shows his development already. Like, I don't think he's 
well, his previous two fights hadn't made it out of the first round. I don't think they'd even made it past like the minute mark. So it, it goes to show that he's got the gas tank to last against the former champion. Don't get me wrong, Holovsky is still a very decent fighter. Like, you know, if you look at, as I said, the Tanabosa fight, like, still got the fight IQ. But I think Aspinall's shown that he's got different elements to his game. And a heavyweight, you look at the people who've made it far, like, already, the same level, the Cyril Garns. I mean, Rosa Troy's a bit one-dimensional, but like the Rosa Troy's, like even in Garnu, like these new upcoming heavyweights are well-rounded mixed martial artists, and I think that's great. I think, I think to be honest, again, I just I really really hope they don't rush him. I don't I don't I don't want I don't want them to rush Asmol's development, and we'll talk about like future opponents later. But if I were the UFC, I'd like I'd start to build. Like, can you imagine a card where Till's headlining and Asmol's co-main? That's surely a no-brainer. Like that, that will give you eyeballs. Um, but I just, I really, I that, really, that really... could rival when I'd seen a lot of talk about the uh, them doing like a UFC Africa card where Adesanya and Ngannou and um, Usman all, you know, all headley have you know main co-main and, and the third fight. You know, UFC Liverpool till Aspinall. That's that's up there. That's rivaling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, put put Molly somewhere on the main card. I mean, she put the main card, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely up there. Uh, but again, I don't want to make this like the Tom Aspinall appreciation podcast, but it, again, it's just nice to see like a it's not it's nice to see a UK prospect doing so well so quickly. Like yeah, and I, I completely agree in terms of you know if he had gone in there and, and Spartan, like I said, it would have been amazing. But at the same time, you know, he showed different dimensions. He was tested, and you know, to to see that grappling side of things as well. Like you say, his dad is a um, you know an absolute best of the best in terms of British. BJJ practitioners. Um, it is exciting to see just how well-rounded he is. We'll move on before we go too crazy. Um, Phil Hawes beat um, Imovov by uh, decision. This was, in my opinion, a sketchy decision for one reason, one reason only, in that they scored it differently to how they scored the Yana against Vieira fight later on the card. Um, and what I mean by that is Hawes had... The, the first round was probably Hawes' round, and he probably did slightly more damage. But then the second and third round, he had some control... But that was it. He did no damage. All the damage came was coming the other way. And yet they seemed to score at control over damage. And then in the Yana against Vieira fight later, which I think was correctly called, they called it damage over control. So it's just like, it's what, three fights apart on the main card and the same group of judges score completely different criteria. Like that, that kind of baffled me, to be honest. I thought they got this one wrong and Hawes should have lost for how much of a disaster he was in the last 10 minutes. I think if it had been three minutes longer, he would have lost. I think it, if it had been pl- 30 seconds longer, he could have lost. Yeah, yeah. Even if I was playing on the pressure. Um, I, I I agree. I think... I think I don't know. I just don't understand the full horse hype train. I think he's great. Like, I think he's a good fighter, so don't get me wrong. But I, I think, again, call the breaks. If he doesn't bit, knock like, him out in five minutes, what then? Like, yeah, gas tank drains. Like, there's no tomorrow. Like, it was got ridiculous. that Rodolfo Vieira gas tank. Yeah, it was just... I don't know. I think again, if Imovov had a couple couple more seconds, he might have been able to put him away, just because he was playing on the pressure so much. And I, I, it, if he comes up against a like, well, it depends how far he goes, but I think the minute he comes up against like a, a, a seasoned striker who, who has decent ground defense or whatever, he might come unstuck. Because I yeah, if, if he couldn't have taken, if he couldn't have pinned Imovov against the fence and, and taken him down a few times, he would have been screwed. Um, you know, if he fa- if he faces someone with, I wouldn't even say great takedown defense, just decent. Um, he, yeah, he's going to be in trouble. He, I mean, he doesn't really move his head a lot when he's when he's rushing in for strikes and just kind of flies in for the kill. Um, so 
yeah, I, I could definitely see him getting sparked sometime soon, not going to lie. And uh, that's not even being, you know, disrespect. You, you know, he won. He's on a, what, six-fight winning streak or something like that, and most of them are finishes. So, um, you know, he, he does have potential, but clearly still a lot to learn as well. Um, we'll move on to someone else with a lot of potential. Chris Dorcas um, destroyed Alexi Olenek, which was kind of sad to see, um, and especially which we will go on to him looking at Herb Dean as if to say, please help me, as he was getting pummeled mercilessly against the fence. Yeah, it really reminded me of the, uh, the Gilbert burns Damian Meyer fight, just because of how one-dimensional it was. I've been really impressed by Dalkus and um, his brother. They've put together, like I think they've they've made waves in the UFC already, like just because they're again a bit like Tomas. Uh, it's weird actually thinking about it. Like, yeah, I was gonna say you love the attitude of both of them um, because for, the, for anyone who doesn't know, his brother for um, Brendan Allen in his debut and got pretty much mauled, but. Maybe not. It's maybe a bit harsh on Alan to say he held his own because Alan dominated the fight. But I mean, he stayed. You know, he stayed in there and kept trying to win for 15 minutes on his debut against a guy who's you know an absolute beast. And um, you know, yeah, like we said, Chris, super impressive performance and three three fights, three first round knockouts. Now I think all within a couple of minutes as well. well the thing that amazes me is that he's he's not particularly big for heavyweight, but he has ridiculous hand speed and he throws volume with intent and I think that's like I don't know again I don't want them to I don't want to I, I would I want to see the Aspinall fight at some point that's not what I want next but I do want to see that at some point just because I think like their boxing play like, it make a really nice matchup um, and I, again I've been saying it for ages I think heavyweight division's popping I don't understand like everyone who's, who's complaining I think we've got some ridiculous talents coming through the ranks we've got some ridiculous talents at the top of the division and Olenek's no joke either like, again I see people like Oh, I'll make sure I hang up his gloves. No, he's he's Why? never hanging them up. We talked yeah. about Eddie Wineland hanging them up earlier. Yeah, well, he's, never since like the 1990s. he's got like <laughs> he's got. I was gonna say he's got like seventy fights. Why should he stop now? He might as well go for hundred. Um, we'll move on so we don't take too long before we get to the main event. Derek Minner showed um, James Crowell's work in his magic because I uh, I tweeted before this fight. If, if you're not betting on round one submission, do you even Derek Minner? Because <laughs> that's what he does. He goes out there. He goes. Guns blazing for five minutes, tries to guillotine you, tries to submit you. Um, and then usually, and I'm not saying he always loses, but if you, if you get him out of that first five minutes, he's in trouble. Um, completely different performance. He dominated this fight for, I mean, the entire 15 minutes. Yeah, it reminded me of, I don't know, just, you know, when Price Mitchell was doing like 100 twisters and <laughs> all those submissions. I think he Charles tried Ray. about 50 um, arm and head chokes on, uh, on Rosa. And I was going to say this about Rosa, actually. This isn't gonna sound harsh, but I I would cut Rosa because really because he is a good fighter. He is a good fighter, but what does he offer? We've seen him that his last thirty minutes in the octagon have been spent just surviving, defending submissions. <laughs> That's all he's yeah. done for thirty minutes. I've not seen him attempt a single bit of like. There's been no threat. There's been no offense from him. There's no offense. Yeah. Thirty minutes. No, I completely agree, mate. I I, I kind of I don't know. I, I think you need these guys around just as litmus tests again. So I can kind of see. Well, yeah, like, it sounds brutal. It sounds, because... cra- it sounds crazy because he's a bit like a grappling dummy, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he is a good fighter, and you know that there are worse fighters who I'm not sitting here saying that they should cut. But I just feel like you got to you got to try something. Like you know, I think maybe he threw up like one or two armbar attempts that never even got close. And you know, yeah, I know Min is a great grappler, and Bryce Mitchell's an incredible grappler, but Rose is supposed to be a grappler, and he just showed showed nothing. Like I said, for the second straight fight, so. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in Rosa, but 
Um, yeah, Minna, you know, definitely have to give some credit to James Krause in the corner because, like I said, Minna was, to me, a guy that if, if he doesn't get the round one submission, I'm like, okay, he's going to die. Krause, genuinely, if Krause can pull off, I mean, uh, if he can pull off, Megan Anson beating Amanda Nunes, I say that in, in beta breath, um, could be in a shot for coach of the year. Yamaha Hill, like, got some really hot prospects in his in his in his gym. Um I'm and sure like, it's just pronounced Jamal, but we'll move back. Oh Jamal Hill. There we go. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> He's from Grand Rapids. I used to live not far from there. Um fun fact for all the um li- listeners that don't know that uh I'm multicultural, a Michigan, Michigan born and bred, Newcastle yeah. boy. <laughs> um yeah, Darren Miller, great performance and uh talking of great performances as uh as we move on to the coming event, Yana Kunitskaya defeated uh Catlin Vieira and as I mentioned earlier it was That's kind a good of, pronunciation. Yeah, I did my best. It was kind of weird how um they did they scored it differently, but I you know there was a lot of fuss about this the decision. I thought they got it right. Yeah, I thought they got it bang on. Like again, I thought she was so dominant in the final well, round. Well, Vieira she just kind of what I just said about Rosa, she didn't do anything. She yeah. like, like she you grappled well but and I thought she kind of no gassed threat. a bit as well. Like her gas tank kind of drained towards the end just because of you know it's class pressure. I was really impressed with Eunice Guy because I think she was a massive underdog, which kind of made no sense. To, I think she was an underdog, but it kind of it didn't really make much sense to me. Or at least maybe not an underdog, but I didn't quite like people picking against her. She was an underdog, yeah. Vieira's not really done anything that's like wowed me. It's fair to say. And I think. Well, yeah, I but, mean, she spent 15 minutes grappling and attempted zero submissions. And let me find the numbers here. Seven significant strikes in 15 minutes. Zero submission attempts and seven significant strikes. How does anyone think she won that fight just because she had some control time? You cannot have zero submission attempts and seven significant strikes. And, and I'm, glad they, I'm glad they scored it for damage as well. Because, as you say, it's a bit ridiculous when someone just lies on you and does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you contributing? I, I feel like that's then. a mistake that's been made in, in MMA judging for a long time is they focus mm. way too much on control without damage, which, you know, if, if there's control with damage, then sure. And that's not, even, that's not even, someone, in the ju- that's even in terms of judging criteria as well. Control time isn't a factor. Like, damage is yeah. the overwhelming factor. So, yeah. And I think, I think Uniskaya is like turning a corner. I don't know if it's the work at ATT or whatever, but she seems to like found her groove and I really rate her I think she's really good mixed martial artist so it's, it's nice to see her get in the win column and um, yeah onwards and upwards hopefully well speaking of onwards and upwards Derek Lewis is rising again <laughs> in the heavyweight division um, we'll talk about next matchups for him later but first of all I mean we've got to talk about the fight and um, well we're going to get it well we'll do it now we'll do it now every week we give out our uh, Garbrandt game plan winner for um, someone who we think showed low fight IQ or, um, you know, poor game plan. And um, Curtis Blades is our winner. We don't even need to discuss it this week. Curtis Blades that, is our winner. That's best, it. Drop the mic. best wrestler <laughs> in the division went in there with Derek Lewis, the man with the most knockouts in the heavyweight, uh, in heavyweight UFC history and now joint most knockouts in any division in UFC history. And he stood there for five minutes striking with him and then shot in for a takedown in the second round with zero setup at all. Yeah, it was so telegraphed. It was... <sighs> I don't want to go all in on the blades hate because I do think he's a good, I think he's a good mixed martial artist, but it was so telegraphed and you'd spent the entire first round trying to set it up. Why would you rush headlong, head first 
into the most dangerous punch in the division. And I say the most dangerous, he is the most dangerous. Francis Ngannou, who many claim is the, is the most dangerous punch in the division, didn't want to stand in bang with, with um, Derek Lewis. To me, that says it all. I know that fight was boring, but and maybe you could question Ngannou's mentality and mindset, but for me, Derek Lewis is the hardest hitter in the UFC and potentially in UFC history. Rumble Johnson might lay claim, but in my eyes. Well, an- another Lewis. another shout out to Bisping's podcast on the, on the one that he talked to Aspinall. He talked about Derek Lewis because um, obviously they were talking about the other heavyweights on this card because there was three heavyweight fights on the main card. And um, Bisping said that he had met Derek Lewis and there'd been one of those, you know, those punch things you get at the fairground where you try and punch as hard as you can. And he said that he had the record on it. And then Derek Lewis came in and literally nearly broke the machine. The machine lifted off the ground when he punched it and, uh, you know, destroyed Bisping's score. So, um, yeah, I, he's just I believe he was such a ridiculous, well. ridiculous power. Um, well, yeah, that, that is kind of weird, but I think people expected Blades to do what we expected him to do. And but again, it's like it annoys me because if you think about like Lewis's career, yes, he lost to like DC and he got out grappled in that match, but I think that's it's doing a disservice to Derek's crown game. Like, I mean, he was in pretty poor shape for that fight as well. You look at him now, yeah. you know, he looks a completely different guy to the to the guy for D- I mean, he looked like DC in that fight. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's talked a lot about, you know, get, having better nutrition. And I think they even had a feature on a broadcast talking to his nutritionist or something. Um, and, you know, it shows. And, you know, like you say, his, his ground game, it's not conventional, but it's like... It's effective. Yeah, it, it, I saw someone tweet, why doesn't MMA work on Derek Lewis? And it was like a one-minute video of him just getting up. And it's like that old meme of like, jiu-jitsu's not real, just get up, bro. And that is kind of what Derek Lewis does because he's so strong, but it it is effective and it works for him. And I think there's kind of a misconception that, oh, he's going to struggle against wrestlers. He, with the exception of DC, he pretty much eats res- wrestlers for, you know, for dinner, like, Wrestlers yeah, I mean, are easier for him because they do what Curtis Blades did and set up that shot for him. Yeah, I mean, if you think like, he, it was, it doesn't call himself like the ATT killer or something. I can't, I can't quite remember. Like, like ATT of a hit list against him. He calls himself a lot of things. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think he's like, he's self appointed as the, the vanquisher of all ATT heavyweights. I think, um, was it Olenek that he fought? And again, yeah, I think, I think Olenek took him down. And then I think Olenek took him down. And then he ended up starting it. I kind of thought the same thing would happen with Blades. I thought Blades would, and it did sort of yeah. plan out like that. Like in the first first round, Blades dominated on the feet, and then, well, did relatively well. And then I kind of thought he'd, he'd lose his head, and because he, I think, I think he got overconfident, and that overconfidence seeped into his game plan, and he kind of threw the game plan out the window and went, "Oh hell, I'm just gonna take him down and ground and pound him." Yeah, I do wonder do there's a little bit of that because in the first round he probably did win the first round on striking, but most people will win the first will win the first round on striking with Derek Lewis in terms of volume because you know Derek Lewis is a volume bunch. But when he yeah. does throw, he, yeah, exactly. So I feel, uh, yeah, I mean, like maybe there was a bit of overconfidence there where he was like, you know, oh, this is the guy everyone was telling me not to strike with. Oh, okay, I'll just get my takedown now. Um, you know, maybe we're chatting shit and um, you know, there's something different going on altogether. And he did set it up with some a tiny feint that we didn't even see, and Derek Lewis also didn't see. But um, yeah, what I are mean, your thoughts on the uh, the uh, added extra? It's probably. Um, the best way of putting it. I had no problem with them. I have to agree with Derek Lewis. Like super necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, super necessary. Um, He said after the fight, like, shit, I don't know. He could have gotten up like The Undertaker and been fine. (laughs) Like, while that's unlikely, it it is his job to 
keep hitting the guy until the referee tells him to stop. And by the way, um, terrible, it's like terrible refereeing. Yeah, I mean, Hodeen wow. was like a million miles away. I didn't even know the octagon was that big in the apex for him to be that far away. <laughs> but um, did and- I actually say that? That's even. This is what makes this victory even more impressive because the smaller octagon should theoretically favor the, the wrestler. Yeah, and sure. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't see Blades losing this fight. Um, Blades Lewis losing this fight, and because of the hands that he carries, like, I think he's always because of. The, the type of character that he is he's always constantly overlooked uh, it's just dangerous to overlook someone who throws the kitchen sink at you uh, well not even to the next century like just baffles me and I think in a division where it is so it's decided ultimately by such a click a quick um, snap of the hands or like a, 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 a blink of the eye it's wrong to dismiss someone with legitimate KO power. Like, he's a bit like the Deontay Wilder for the heavyweight division. Like, all right, Tyson Fury knocks him out. But, like, just making a boxing comparison, Deontay Wilder is still a ridiculously hard hitter. And I think the same could be said for Derek Lewis. Like, you can't count this man out at all. And I really want to see him back in. I, I can't, I, I mean, I think he's, he's out for six months. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what the injury is, but I'm, I think he's out for six months. I can't wait to see. I, I, the man is money. Like he's so enter- he's so entertaining. Like, even in the all the um, the needle in the pre-fight build-up, being like like a, a blades, being like I don't know if you've seen Derek Lewis's like oh his pre-fight media. interview where they where they were trying to get him to answer seriously about yeah. what he how but he was no, like, even, even in his post-fight stuff, he's posted like digs a blade like it is it is absolute gold like comedy gold like get this man like a I don't know like a uh one like get get like a, a looking for a fight with Derek Lewis like can you imagine like even go to a regional seat like it'd yeah. just be carnage it'd be so funny well while, I mean, while I mean, you're mentioning uh digs up blades I just I do want to give a mention to the dude who facetimed Curtis Blades and started making fun of him for getting knocked out just to say <laughs> what a fucking sad bastard um for the for anyone who doesn't know, basically this guy like tracked through Curtis Blades' fiance's Instagram and Facebook to find her number and FaceTime them, and then was like, "Oh, you got knocked out! You got knocked out!" Um, and obviously, MMA Twitter wasn't going to stand for that, and found this guy's socials, and it turns out he's just some fat melt. And um, I mean, first of all, like I said, it's just it's one thing to to sit here and and Marvelous, talk yeah. and try and tactically break down what went wrong, but it's another thing to you know call the dude and start making fun of him to his face. First of all. He's a UFC heavyweight. You're a nobody. Like of all the people to say that to, like, what are you doing? You're sweating down um, your basement. What you exactly. Like, yeah. And second of all, how much time does it, does this person have on their hands to to spend the time? The fact that he had to go through like multiple Facebook and Instagram channels to find the number and then FaceTime. And apparently, he also FaceTimed John Anik like 45 times trying to get him to trying to trying to get to answer him. And then when he answered him, just bottled it and barely said anything. So um, yeah, just I mean. Where, I don't know what the lockdown restrictions are where that guy lives, but go outside, bro, even though it's just in your back garden. Or, or maybe not if you've got an angry blades yeah. after you. <laughs> yeah, go, go outside, get some fresh air. Um, I don't know what the hell he's doing. We'll talk about um, runner-up. We always like to pick a runner-up that uh, didn't get a performance of the night bonus. Performance of the night bonuses went to Derek Lewis, obviously, Tom Aspinall, Dorcas, and uh, Eamon Zahabi. Who did you think was unlucky to miss out? He's a new yeah. Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill. I'm going to go with uh, Rafael Alves' salmon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Pat Sabatini because I, I probably butchered that name. I apologize. Go with Chas Kelly um, singing in the, in the back. Um, oh, yeah, that's all. No, uh, I, I, I can know, give I think Casey O'Neill, got... but my pick was going to be Julian Arosa just for the. Um, yeah. 
craziness of what like that 35 40 seconds yeah i think i think the reason i didn't go with the rosa was because it like the first like 30 seconds it was quite back and forth like yeah i mean he was wobbled for a second there yeah um so i guess i guess it, it would be less performance of the night and more like first minute of a round of the night <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll go casey o'neill we'll go casey o'neill we'll say she deserved a performance of the night for uh being so dominant in a, in a debut against someone who's kind of a veteran. Um, we'd like to do a little matchmaking on this show as well after we uh, go through the fights. And speaking of Casey O'Neill, she's first up on our matchmaking. So I'm just going to pull up the UFC flyweight ranks here because I actually don't have them memorized, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, I'm going to do the same. Uh, not the men's, women's. <laughs> God, this is such a shallow division. <laughs> uh Talking of shallow divisions, we've got um, an interesting match to uh, to talk about in. Uh, God, in the they're throwing division. quite high, haven't they? Yeah, they threw away up there. I've already chosen. You've already chosen. Hit me. Yeah, I'm going Courtney Casey. Courtney Casey. Unless she's been cut, but I don't think she has. Courtney Casey. Yeah. Lost. I to, can see that. Lost Julian Robertson. Sub. Sort of like a. Cannon fodder's a bit harsh, but um, yeah, I think Courtney Casey. Like, I think that's a high chin go. I'm looking, I'm looking above that, and like, yeah, like Andrea Lee wouldn't, uh, Andrea Lee, I don't think, I think it would be a bit of a mismatch. Then you've got Ariane Lipsky, who would probably get some sneaky submission during those grappling exchanges, that which, like we said, were not you know bad, but a little bit sloppy at times. From yeah, from McCann Robertson, Pro, uh, whatever. Her name is Procopio. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a stacked division, but yeah, we don't want, like we said earlier. Like we don't you want can't to imagine a fight in like, I mean, she's ranked, what is she, 25? She's ranked 25? You can't imagine a fight in like 15. So I, I, I think Molly McCann and Lipsky and all those would be a, a bit too far at the moment, considering she's literally only had six fights. Six fights. Six fights. And she fought Shane Dobson. I like the case of shout. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, Derek Lewis, I think. There's only there's only one man for Derek Lewis to fight. He deserves the money fight. John Jones. No, disagree. Strongly disagree. There's only one fight that John Jones wants or needs, and that's for the the belt. Unless they oh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying John Jones would would want to accept that, but Derek Lewis deserves a big money fight, and I don't think they'll give him the title fight. So the next best thing is John Jones. Yeah, I could see that. I could also see them giving him maybe a. The winner of Garn Rosenstroik. I mean, can you imagine? Like, imagine if Rosenstroik beats Garn. Can you imagine Derek Lewis versus Jarzini Rosenstroik? Would you, you wouldn't watch that? That'd be ridiculous. Even even Garn versus um, Lewis would be ridiculous. I don't want to see the Volkov rematch though. <laughs> like, uh, that doesn't really do much for me. Um, I, I don't think they throw Derek Lewis in with John Jones just because. Well, not that Jones is the golden goose. But Jones winning the heavyweight belt does a lot more in terms of the brand, which sounds really harsh. Because I'd love to see that fight. I think it'd be ridiculous. Like, yeah, it'd be a, because it's, there's so much, so many unknowns. Like, <laughs> can John take him down? Can like, Derek hit him? Like, it was like, uh, yeah, uh, it would be. It would be. Well, didn't, didn't the John Jones DC beef start with Jones saying he could take DC down? Yeah. Um, 
So yeah. if, if he could take DC down, which he proved in the in the fights, then I'm sure he could take Derek Lewis down. But then can he do that without getting every, hit? Ev- like every this. round starts on the feet, as they always say, the old cliche. So, so I'd actually um, find that more. I'd find that way more. I'd find that I, bizarrely, I'd find the Jones Lewis fight more interesting than Jones and Garner. Like, yeah, I, because... I feel like it'd be maybe maybe not more marketable because the UFC can market the shit out of Francis and Garner. But um, I don't know. I feel like Derek Lewis deserves that spotlight and and the 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 hype they would be able to create behind his personality and you know the possible goat, depending on how you look at it. Like it it would be it would be an easy um you know easy hype to build. Um, so are we going uh, realistic matchups? <laughs> no, I'm sticking with John Jones. No real no realisticness here. I'm sticking with Jones. Next, what's next? Next is uh, I put them together. This is our last one. We got Tom Aspinall and um, Chris Dorcas, which I put them together because they're my pick. I've, they mentioned it on broadcast. Um, you know, could could they maybe fight each other if they both win? I say, why not? I know you don't like pairing prospects together. That's your pet peeve. But um, you know, like like we like we said earlier, they've both got incredibly fast hands for heavyweights, and I just want to see that striking battle. And I think it's a good sort of marker for Aspinall like if you go higher than Dorcas the, the challenges above him are crazy for a, for a guy as young and and sort of raw as Aspinall is and um below him I think is I, I don't think I don't think he deserves to, to have an, another fight lower um you know I think he's earned higher than that already can I cheat and have two picks um if you want right I'm gonna go either right so it depends which way they want to go if they want to build his profile well actually it kind of works both ways they want to build his profile, but keep him on like slow and steady wins the race. Bolt Harris. If they want to catapult him up the line, Juno de Santos. Either, either or. I will take both. <laughs> nice of you to book uh, JDS's retirement fight there. Um, with that well, said, and Bolt Harris's. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know. Why Harris, like I said earlier, Harris can knock out anyone out if he gets it right. Um, with that said, we'll move on to um, some match matches that, matchups that are actually confirmed. Um, Brad Riddell versus Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie finally returning after um, something else. Something is soul stolen. Kevin Lee absolutely destroyed him with a head kick. Um, and if you've been destroyed by a head kick, I'm not sure Brad Riddell is the person you really want to fight, to be honest. Yeah, kickboxing whiz. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because Gillespie's obviously so wrestling heavy. But Riddell has ridiculous, like, I mean, that's all they Grand do at City Kickboxing, isn't it? Is teach yeah. these insane strikers to keep wrestlers off them. So they <laughs> I'll get back up after we take it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you were watching the, um, the, the spider. I think they call it the spider, where they literally just do like, it's, it's almost like uh, what we in the in, in the UK call Bulldog. Um, uh, it's just like the entire gym just doing like ridiculous um, like cardio, wrestling, grappling based. I don't know what, 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 what the exercises. Um, and Riddell is like literally always winning. <laughs> and when you get to the fact, trains are like Izzy and like Dan Hooker and all these other types. Like it's kind of it's kind of mad. And I'm, I'm going to pick got, Riddell to win that because I think it's gas tank as well. Like yeah, and like, the thing that's impressed me about it is I mean, he's gotten so much better in every fight. His I, I don't know whether it was his debut, but the first UFC fight of his I'd seen was the one in um, in Melbourne against uh, Jamie Malarkey. Which oh, yeah, yeah. was an absolutely insane war where I was I was sitting there thinking, what's all the hype about this Riddell guy? The second he faces someone with you know genuine power, he's gonna get smoked because he got hit a lot in that fight. Like he took a lot of damage in that fight, and so did Malaki. And 
I think that's um, where he realized since like, then like, he's just gone from strength to strength. It was yeah, it was almost like I feel like you're about to say this. Um, like he he realized, oh shit, I can't do that. Like I need I think to he realized that like kickboxing stand-up doesn't work in MMA. You've got to evolve your like if you yeah. look at if you look at like old tape of Riddell in kickboxing, he's very like um chest forward. Where he's sort of like he's evolved the style by standing slightly a, a stance and an angle in his stance, and like I don't know if that's I don't know if that's like Bearman in his brain <laughs> just being like right you need to tweak things, or it's the fact he got punched in the face so many times it's sort of been like right switch things up. But as you say, it's his evolution as a mixed martial artist and the fact he's such a nice guy. Like man, is a World of Warcraft grinder. Like he's he's a really 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 oh, sound bloke. Let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> Vivian Arahu Ara. Arauho is how they were singing on broadcast, but we'll go with that. That sounds fine. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's the right pronunciation. That's how they said it on the broadcast. It was like Arauho. Um, Caitlin Shukagian, um, that's a huge jump up. And um, I feel like it might be too big of a jump up, to be honest. I feel like Shukagian's probably going to win that one. Yeah, I fancy Shukagian's decision. I think striking is a bit. Just I think the old, decision. <laughs> 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 That's, yeah, that's, I think, how, I think it's, that's how we do. It, I mean, it depends though, because Arugia's got like she's kind of got a bit of pop as well. So it'll be yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, she's another, another impressive prospect. And obviously, Shikagi got stopped with a body shot. Maybe that's Arugia now. I mean, that is Andraja who hits like an absolute truck. Um, yeah, but then Arugia's got pretty decent power. Yeah, not everyone has Andraja power though. No, true. Uh, she hit Rose, especially not changing weight class as well. With like one punch in that rematch that like nearly popped her eye out, um, even though she lost. Gavin Tucker replacing Ryan Hall against Danny. Fantastic matchup. What a fight that is! And I'm so hyped for for Gavin Tucker as well because we've spoken about him a few times in the in the early stages of this podcast, talking about what an exciting prospect he is. And I know he's like, I think he's like 33, 34. He's quite old for what we would call a prospect, but in terms of his UFC career, he is yeah, young. He's young Um, in his MMA career, isn't he? Yeah. And you know he has just come off a. It was a, his last fight was the main event lost to uh, to Calvin Cater. So you know if Tucker wins this, he's skyrocketing straight up there into the you know the upper echelons of the division. Again, another really 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 stacked division. Like, that, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like a bit in it's shock. It's a big jump this... up from Billy Q. It's a big yeah. jump up from Billy Q. But I think as well, like, I'm gutted. I'm gutted for Ryan Hall. Like, man just can't get a fight if it's injuries or opponents dodging him or ducking him. Like, no one wants to fight him. And... Yeah, hopefully no, he's back soon. No one wants a torn Achilles. And uh, last confirmed matchup we got, we mentioned earlier, Felicia Spencer, the Phenom, against Danielle Wolf. Um, biggest stylistic matchup I've ever seen made on paper. Maybe Smash, Danielle I Wolf has, <laughs> has learned to grapple times a thousand in uh, between now and May 22nd, which is when this fight is booked. Spencer, sub um, anyone? <laughs> but yeah, if. Um, you know, if, if you're a better, get get every penny you have on Spencer to win that because that's just, I mean, we talked about levels. That's just a complete mismatch. I wasn't that impressed with Wolf on the Contender Series either. So it's kind of like, I mean, I, and, I just And again, want... it just shows how thin this division is as well. Yeah, get it that's gone. Get it done, Dana. Cut, cut it, cut it, cut it loose. <laughs> Uncomplete matchups we'll move on to. Ilya Tuporia, who we know I'm a big fan of on this podcast. I stand Tuporia all the time. Um, as a matchup which was reported and then not reported and now it's kind of up in the air whether it's actually going to happen against um, Ludovic Klein who for those who don't remember absolutely destroyed um, Adesanya and, and Riddell's teammate um, Shane Young earlier. Can I throw in a caveat though? I think he missed weight massively. 
So he did miss weight, yeah. But he still destroyed yeah. him. Yeah, I mean he still destroyed <laughs> him, but missing weight kind of takes the gloss off it. I mean, I say this, I'm sticking up for my CKB boys. Um no, I think like yeah, again, that's a really good stylish mashup because Tapuri is good everywhere. Well apparently it it was it came out that it was booked and then apparently Tapurio wants a higher match a higher ranked um fight. So of course um, he does. <laughs> I don't know if that'll actually happen. Klein is a fucking dangerous fight for a guy with not much hype behind his name. Um, from the sort of wider fan base. So I can see why he wouldn't want that fight, to be honest, even though I think Topuria would probably win. Um, another one that kind of has a funny story around it is, uh, and would be a hell of a fight, Juan Espino against Alexander Romanov, um, you know, wrestler versus BJJ. I mean, who doesn't want to see two 260-pounders two, just scramble around on the floor together? Yeah, grapplers paradise in the heavyweight division. Yeah. Um, no, that's a fun fight. Kind of throws me back to like the, the feed all days. Like taking on like some ridiculously unknown like pride heavyweight. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. I'm I'm all for it. Sign me up. I mean, as I said, it, it's not confirmed, and, and um, Romanov confirmed it on his Instagram and said that he signed it. And then uh, I'll read the statement that uh, Espino put on his Instagram, which was, "Do not confirm news by rumors or negotiations. This is not done." Oh, that is not done by the serious media. When my fight is confirmed, the rival will appear in, I'm assuming he's the opponent, will appear in the real media and not on the geek pages. So, you know, a little bit of early trash talk there, calling Romanov's Instagram a geek page. <laughs> that's what I'm taking that as, a little subtle dig at Romanov's Instagram, because that's where it was confirmed and he's calling it geek stuff. So, um, I mean, Espino seemed like such a nice guy when they spoke to him after his last win that I find that that comment just really funny. <laughs> Don't look at those geek pages. Um, but yeah, as we said, that would be a, a you know a hell of a fun fight. Um, going down in weight class a little bit, we've got some bantamweight news. TJ Dillashaw saying he wants to come back and fight for the title straight away. And um, no, well, I think we can both agree to say fuck <laughs> off. Um, yeah, be gone, how um, beast. <laughs> that that's just how can you think that's going to happen? Like. You know, yes, he was the champ, but he also got caught cheating, and you can't just come back in and walk. It's in not just getting cheating. It's not just getting caught cheating either. Like EPO to 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 take EPO is like it's a systematic process. Yeah, it's the simplest way of putting it, and it just doesn't sit right with me if he's given a title shot over like any of the bantamweight contenders. Like Sandhagen for me is next in line. Uh, to be honest, that's the fight I want to see again. So off cool, like. If and if he comes back, and I'm not, I don't know, I've heard rumblings actually that he might not. Like, again, don't know how, how much this is true, but I have heard rumblings from a couple of sources that TJ Dillashaw's next fight might not be in the UFC. So I'll leave that open to interpretation. But if he does come back and he does fight in the UFC, feed him to Sandhagen, man. Like, I think, to be honest, I think Sandhagen doesn't need another win to have the title. No, shot. I, I know think, he doesn't, but I think like he's it, waiting around for the for the winner of of um, Aljo against Young. I know, I know he doesn't, but I just think it, like, it would take his profile, like because obviously as a fighter, like a win streak is great, and like beating various names or whatever, like Mirage and whatever, is great. But beating TJ Dillashaw, who some would claim is the best bantamweight of all time, does do things for your profile in terms of like your social media, which are then take it onto like pay-per-view points potentially and all that kind of stuff so 
I would like to see that matchup as well as the fact that I think Sandhagen is kind of like a, a hybrid Garbrandt Cruz type, <laughs> which sounds really this crazy. This would be a really weird matchup, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I tell you what, I do, I do like the idea of feeding Dillashaw to someone, but my pick for someone who needs a little bit of a profile boost and needs more life than they're getting is Rob Font. Um, when we did our predictions at the start of the year, he was my pick to be the bantamweight champ at the end of the year. I think he probably needs another big name on his ledger after destroying Marais to uh, to get that. And if he, you know, welcomed Dillashaw back to the to the UFC with a with a KO, then um, you know he's probably next in line after Sanhagen. It may, maybe would need another win, um, but I mean Dillashaw got knocked out by a flyweight wrestler, so. I'd like to see his chin hold up against Rob Font's concrete hands. Um, I'm a big Rob Font Science. fan, and I think he deserves the hype, and I think he would win that fight. Um, quick little last thing we got to talk about before we um, laugh at Kevin Lee is um, <laughs> Anthony Pettis's uh, PFL debut has been announced, and it's a fucking banging card. It's a phenomenal fight. Anthony Pettis versus Clay Collar. For those of you who don't know, Clay Collar's like one of the very few people who balances MMA and boxing. And he's been on a bit of a tear in the boxing scene. And he's also been a bit been on a bit of a tear in the MMA world. So for me, that's Oh, you're like... hyping up Clay Collard. Can I drop my Pettis stat that I saw? Go, on go, right go. I did, steal, I did steal this from Twitter, so I'm not taking credit for it. But Pettis will be making his promotional debut against someone called Clay for the second time in his career. Because he fought his UFC debut against Clay Guida. So oh, both of, of his promotional debuts in his last two promotions will be against a guy named Clay, which for such That's an uncommon amazing. name is a brilliant stat. That's amazing. That's and it's got to be the only MMA bitch, fighter to have that. Like, if you think about it, PFL have actually, like, actually done bits. Like, Pettis is a big name. Like, the, I can't imagine. I can imagine there are quite I mean, he's been to like, bare knuckle events. Like, I imagine there are quite a few promoters knocking around. But like to sign him up, really puts you on the pedestal, especially considering PFL will want to be like the number two. Like uh, I've spoken to... Um, uh, I can't remember his name. The CEO of this is terrible. I can't remember his name. He used to do Under Armour stuff. I spoke oh, to the CEO of PFL. Um, and Lauren Mack, who is like PFL's PR guy, like really, really sound bloke, really, really like knowledgeable of the game, like used to work for one and all that kind of stuff. And they're really trying to pitch PFL as like the number two. So obviously, UFC Champions League, PFL potentially Premier League. Um, sorry, Bellator fans. Uh, I think like, but I think the thing that like really excites me is like the, the format. Like, I love watching PFL because of the format, like this this knockout stage kind of like thing. Like, big soccer of the Champions League, love PFL's format. Uh, but like, also Brendan Lochnan is getting a fight. Like, Brendan Lochnan has a fight. Like, I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm giddy with excitement. Like, he's been he's been cooped up in in um, TKMMA for like what feels like ages. Well, since lockdown started, like he's been in Dubai just training in TKMMA fit and. Um, with like Terry Suleiman, Ty Tuovasa, all these guys, Dan Hooker as well. Like I don't know if you've seen that photo of like Dan Hooker and like the hotel quarantine. But like before that, Dan Hooker was training in Dubai with like Brendan Lochnan. So he's been like getting all all this knowledge. And I, I can't wait to see Brendan Lochnan back because like that featherweight tawny is pretty spicy. Right, and this is where when when we get our intro and outro music, which I'm in the process of doing, this is where <laughs> I would start the outro music and ask you. What do you think about Kevin Lee calling out Tony Ferguson? <laughs> and then you deliver a little like, you know, quirky one-liner about Tony Ferguson killing Kevin Lee into, into the outro music and off we go. Retirement. Go <laughs> take not, it take it either way, retirement. <laughs> I'll be super biased. As I said earlier, grew up in Michigan. Kevin Lee's from Detroit, the Motown Phenom, shocks the world, just retires Tony Ferguson instead. 
I'll, I'll, I'll go the opposite. I'll say he gets choked out in that first fight. <laughs> Seems more probable based based on uh, how he rushed into the guillotine against Oliveira. But um, we'll leave it at that. We'll um, we'll be back next week with uh, more heavyweights to talk about with Rosenstein. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to try and make it a bit more uh, for, 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 for you regular listeners. We're going to try and make it more consistent with the days. So potentially Wednesday dropping. Well. Wednesday. What happened to every Tuesday? I thought we started out. Oh, we're yeah. Already, yeah, we're already right. losing the consistency here. <laughs> or did you just forget what day it is? I did. They've all merged into one. This lockdown's going to be okay. All right. Every Tuesday, new episode. Next next week, potentially the week after, we'll have music. Next week, you, you can listen to me talk about Sean Grant. There we go. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, no. This hype's going to be crazy. <laughs> but um, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that before Tom starts talking about Sean Grant already. So, uh, yeah. Peace.